Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi, Chrissy. I am so excited to have you here today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Okay. So you are basically an Instagram celebrity. Let's (laughs) get that out of the way. But if people don't know you, can you tell us all about you and what you do? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at the peaceful sleeper. I'm a sleep consultant, but I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a mom of four little girls and kind of my whole mission is to yes, help moms get good sleep, but I also want to help moms thrive and find joy in motherhood. And Chrissy and I were just talking before I pressed play and I was like, Oh my gosh, pause. Cause this is so much good stuff. You guys, this is going to be like get out a pencil because what she has is gospel wisdom. Um, so her mom manual would be called you are allowed to still matter. So talk us through like what that means. And then we'll go through kind of the three actionable steps for everybody listening today. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, and I mean, Tara, I'm sure you've had this experience too. Like you have a baby and all of a sudden you have this like helpless creature in front of you and your whole mission is to help them survive and thrive. Like that's kind of our biological instinct is like, I don't matter anymore. The survival of my offspring is what matters the most, but I feel like there's a piece of joy and fulfillment that we lose when we focus solely on our little ones. And like, I really want all moms to know that you can be an amazing mother and meet all of your little ones needs while also continuing to take care of yourself and meet your own needs. And actually it's by keeping ourselves whole and complete and fulfilled that we benefit our children the most. Yes. And I, I love that so much. Um, if you guys don't follow Chrissy, like immediately start following her because I love your stories. They're so fun to watch where you're walking through what your day looks like. Um, you know, I think one interesting thing, Chrissy and I are both members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and within our church, it is a very high emphasis on joy and motherhood and that being the ultimate calling, which I totally believe it is. But I think that talk to me a little bit more. We were just saying like how it's, it's over almost overblown. And then people feel like they can't do anything else or for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's the messaging is intended to be good, but I think that it's taken a little bit too far in that, like there is joy in sacrifice and you get blessings from sacrifice and being a mom is the end all be all. So like get married young, have a whole bunch of children. And I don't know if you like directly felt like you got this messaging, but I kind of felt like a career only mattered for me just in case my husband died and I needed to like provide for my family. And I have found so, and I've kind of had to like fight for it, but I've found so much joy and so much more joy in motherhood 
still focusing a lot on myself. And like I was telling you before, like I'm a marriage and family therapist. So I see this play out in 20 years and I see what happens when we put ourselves on the back burner too much and we sacrifice too much. And then like, I find that I have a lot of women in my practice who have husbands that are successful and thriving in their careers and teenagers that are doing a whole bunch of cool stuff. And mom just kind of gets like discarded by the wayside and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cool. Thanks mom. And she's like, are you freaking kidding me? And then that's when she gets bitter and resentful and burned out and depressed and like who am I? Like my husband doesn't need me as much as he did when he was in school. And my kids don't need me as much as they did when they were little. And like, who am I? What am I about? What's my identity? And so, as you know, like my whole Instagram is kind of about baby sleep, but really like the secret undertone of it is when we can get our babies to sleep really well, it provides all of this space to sleep still be great moms and also have time for ourselves and have time to nurture our relationships. And if we can do those three things, be great moms, feel good as individuals and feel connected in our relationships. That's the secret to happiness in motherhood and womanhood. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She just said so much good stuff. So just unpacking that a little bit. I think that sometimes people think that they have to have a job or start a business or have a side hustle. And that is definitely not for everybody. Like I have so many friends that they're like, my worst nightmare would be doing what you do. And I'm like, I love it. Like that's what makes me tick and brings me fulfillment. But I think it's more just about having that balance and then having an activity or having something for yourself. Like, even if that's volunteering or running the book club or whatever it is, it's just having something. And this translates to, this is going off topic, but as I'm thinking about raising my kids, so my kids right now are three, six, seven, and eight. So they're starting to develop their own little talents and what they like. And like, you know, we have a piano and my son's been playing and I'm like, okay, let's get you piano lessons. And we put him in gymnastics, which seems kind of random for a boy, especially because he, he is like all boy, but you know, I'm like, let's have him try everything and see what they grab onto. Cause I believe that to be a successful person, you need to feel validated and good at something. So they're finding whatever, if that's school, if that's sports, whatever it is, I want them to have their, their thing. So I love that. And then the second thing that I love is how you talk about, yes, if you were to look at your Instagram, you think I'm in a place to um, get my baby to sleep, right? But the underlying message of everything you serve and talk about is that is just one piece of like your overall getting you to be your best you. And if I think about Dreamland Baby, and I, I feel like I've told my story a million times, but my first three kids slept pretty well, but Luke, my baby, my Dreamland Baby was horrible sleeper woke up every hour and a half for six months. And during that time, I was a shell of myself. And I always talk about how I was like a bad wife, a bad mom, a bad friend, a bad friend to myself. I mean, I, I love working out. I didn't work out. I didn't get dressed. I didn't put on makeup. Like I did nothing. I was in survival mode. So I couldn't essentially be me until obviously I created a company around it. Dreamland baby came and Luke was sleeping through the night. And like within a week I was myself again and I did have space to do my, my things. So we are so a lot, like, I just, I'm like, Oh, I want to give you a hug through the screen. We're so aligned on that. So 
if we were to talk through, everyone's like, okay, it's amazing. What do I do with it? So if we were to say, hey, here's our top three kind of takeaways, what would you start with for the first? So for the first one, I mean, because I'm in the baby sleep space, but also because I've seen it thousands of times, like we've asked our moms, they say after five days of sleep training, they get on average four hours a day back to themselves. And so really, truly, just like you were saying, like when you have a baby that sleeps well and when you can sleep well, and when that stress is eliminated, I really think that's step number one in thriving because you can get yourself back. So I would say sleep, train your baby, learn independent sleep initiation, figure out scheduling, all those things. Like find someone like me or there are other sleep consultants. Like I so care about moms just getting good sleep. Like however you get there, I just want that for you. I'm not even trying to sell my own program. I'm just saying like, get good sleep. You'll feel so much better when you do. So I would say far and away, number one for moms is sleep. Sleep is so important. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like Sleep is one of our most fundamental human needs to survive and thrive. Going back to what you talked about earlier, like we don't have to be a hero and and fall on the cross to get our baby to sleep. I had a friend, I am not kidding. I share the story all the time because it's so absurd. She said her son would only fall asleep when her finger was in his mouth. And I'm like, wait a minute wait a minute. Why can't he use his own finger? She's like, yeah. well, that mine's bigger. It's like a pacifier. He likes it. And I'm just like, that's a you problem. So, you know, I think sometimes we think, oh, if we're not, you know, laying in the baby's bed, toddlers now, right. We have friends who have toddlers that don't sleep and the parents lay in their room for 30 minutes to an hour, every single night. And this, now we're talking year after year after year. And I, and I think it's, you know, it's parents thinking again, that's, what they have to do. That's their obligation or their duty. Yeah. And I want to empower parents. Like, look, there are lots of different ways that fit with different styles. There's no one size fits all. All babies are different. All parents are different, but good sleep is possible. So let's work together to figure out how to get you and your baby sleeping well, because then everyone will be thriving. If we're working from a baseline of thriving, then the other two things are possible and way more likely to be impactful. Right. And I think one other thing people don't think about, especially first time parents, well, you have one baby and it's manageable to have a chaotic environment, but if you have a second child and then you have a baby who's not sleeping, like the whole house falls apart. I mean, it truly is. And I think everything starts with the mom. So if baby's not sleeping, mom's not sleeping. And then she's not being nice to the other kids. And then she's not being nice to her husband. And then it like, it spirals, right? So it's so important by the time you get to kind of baby number two, but even baby number one, I mean, think about if you have a job and you're not sleeping for five years, right? (laughs) Like you see those people, it's just like, this is not, we can't, we can't do this. Okay. So first is getting baby to sleep. What would you say would be a second takeaway? I think number two is nurture yourself. Take all the judgment and shoulds away, figure out what do I need to thrive? What makes me feel good? I think a lot about batteries. Like we all have our cell phone batteries and we know that there's this balance of how much we're using it, what drains it and what recharges it. 
And maybe you're like me and my husband teases me that I live my life at like 7% battery. Cause I'm like, it's almost nighttime. I'll plug it in. But like, we have this finite understanding of our batteries capacity. So like if I'm going to be on a road trip and my kids are going to be streaming Netflix the whole entire time, that's going to use my battery differently than if I have the weather app open for three hours. Right. So we need to know without judgment, without shame, what are the things that drain me and what are the things that recharge me and recharging me? Like you said, recharging me might be starting a side hustle or starting a business or whatever. Like what recharges me might be quilting. What recharges me might be a bubble bath or coloring with my kids or cooking yummy food. Like I we all need to have an unbiased, shame-free look at what are the things that charge me and what are the things that drain me and how can I give myself permission to give myself what I need to thrive? Because when I am thriving, when I am happy, everybody else is happy too. And I talk about this with therapy clients. I did a poll on Instagram the other day and like, this is not to judge our moms, But I encourage everybody listening right now to like self-reflect a little bit and ask yourself how much of the garbage that I am dealing with, that I am working through is a result of garbage that my mom didn't work through, that she accidentally passed on to me. And so if we can realize that truly, truly, truly the best thing that we can do for our children is be the best, most thriving version of ourselves and learn how to love ourselves and honor ourselves and thrive. That's a gift to me, but that's also the greatest gift I can give my kids. The more work I do, the more therapy I do, the less work and therapy they're going to have to do. That is a fact. I love that. And this is definitely something that I just don't think our parents had access to, right? If we think about that. Yeah. So it's, it's up to us. Now we have the opportunity to speak with people like yourself or read a self-help book, or just take a moment to reflect and figure out, you know, what is that thing that is going to nurture us? So our kids can have kind of a different experience maybe than we did, but I love that idea of self-reflecting. What do you say to the, the mom that says, or the woman that says, you know, I have a hobby or something and my husband thinks it's stupid or he doesn't want me to do it, or, you know, it's an inconvenience to him. Like, how do you, I mean, cause I, I imagine that comes up a lot, right? Totally. And I think it's really about getting underneath it. I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? So it's easy to, on the surface, be like, that husband sounds like a jerk and he should support you, right? But like, I want to get to the bottom of what is it for him? What does he feel like he has to sacrifice in order for you to be thriving? And what is it that he's not understanding? Or like, where is his fear coming from? that makes him afraid of you thriving or afraid of sacrificing or thinking that it's unnecessary for him to sacrifice. Like there's something there. That's where like my marriage therapist brain wants to like hop in and be like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. But really I feel like at the root of most of that kind of stuff is fear And I would say like, you know, what I thought you were going to ask is like, what do you say to the mom that says like, I don't have time or like, I can't afford to. And like, I was going to say like, you can't afford not to. Yeah. 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 
But I think the same thing goes with the marriage. Like if your partner or your spouse realizes the magnitude of when I am thriving, the whole system can thrive. I know it's going to take a little bit of sacrifice for you, but I promise it's going to be worth it. Like have that conversation and like prove, prove that, right? Like there's the, the proof is in the pudding. And a lot of times just helping our partners see like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. And I know it's like costing quote unquote X, Y, Z and like time, or I'm not cooking one night a week or whatever, but like, let's look at the benefit that is happening because of this sacrifice and like appreciate the crap out of your partner's sacrifice for you. Words go such a long way. Figure out what your partner's love language is. Speak yeah, that. Love He's language. sacrificing for you. Make that reinforced for him. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like, gosh, there's so many things I can say that too. Like just marriage is hard and, you know, you have to like be each other's cheerleaders, but a funny story that I used to actually be embarrassed to tell, or I didn't tell anybody. And then I think, I think I was on someone else's podcast and I told it for the first time. Then I was like, you know what? Everybody needs to hear this. When I first started Dreamland Baby, my husband called it Wasteland Baby. Like, like this is a waste of your time. And I, and I told him, I said, no, it's going to be a success. Like, look at how well it's worked with Luke. Everybody wants it. Like, trust me, we're going to change lives of thousands of families. And he didn't come around until I was on Shark Tank. So sometimes, um, you know, it's a longer journey, but, but I just think it's something valuable to say for that person who's listening and is like, well, I have a side hustle that could never become something. And my husband doesn't understand. And it's like, you know, if I can have my husband call this wasteland baby for a full year, then you can do a girlfriend. Um, yeah. I mean, I had, and he did not necessarily mean it like this, but I, I had a similar conversation when my husband was in dental school and I needed, I was still doing counseling and like he would come home from school and two nights a week, we would just do like the changing of the guard, pass the kids off. And then I would go do therapy. Yep. And th- there was a conversation at some point where he kind of had just loose. I mean, I think he was like stressed out, overwhelmed, burned out. Like I, I totally get it. But he said something to the effect of like, do we really need to be kind of essentially like, do I really need to be sacrificing so much for your career? I'm going to make way more as a dentist than you're ever going to make as a therapist. Yeah. And like, I remember telling him, I was like, I'm not trying to make this sound like a threat, but like, it would not be worth it for me to give up my career for you. I think I would resent you forever. And he was like, that sounds like a threat. And I was like, I know that it does, but like, I think that's insight. And I'll tell you right now, like my husband just quit his job because we don't need his income. I love that. So like, I love that, but I mean, and that's not going to be everybody's story, but I think there is sometimes there's a little bit of gentle, but strong advocating. And I think as women, just a lot of times we have to do it. And like, I truly, I don't want to paint Tom in a bad light. I don't want to paint your husband in a bad light. Like my husband is so incredibly supportive, but I think like 
anytime we are asked to make sacrifices, we push back against it. Yeah. You know, but like sometimes you do have to dig in and advocate for yourself a little bit, even if your biggest cheerleader is like not super your cheerleader in the moment, dig in anyway, honey, and fight for, even if it's not for a side hustle, even if it's for crocheting and your partner's like, why does this matter? Like if it matters to you and it helps you thrive, then it matters for the system and you should advocate for it. I, okay. I absolutely love that. First off you go girlfriend. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was in a position with my husband, same thing where like, he was like, you're never going to make as much money as me. You're never going to make half as much money as me. So like why, when, when we first got married, he actually wanted me to quit my job and this is, you know, 10 years ago, but working for me is what fulfills me. And that is like my hobby, my thing, my love language. Like I love working. Like that's, that's just for me. And, um, we had such a similar conversation and I would, I would bet from this conversation that so do a lot of women. And again, it doesn't have to be like your job, but if knitting is important to you, like that is your thing and that that needs to be respected. You are allowed to matter. Yes. You are allowed to matter. Oh my gosh. You are allowed to still matter post kids, post husband, all the things. Okay. What, what would you say would be like your third takeaway then? My third takeaway is if you can get your baby to sleep well and you have the bandwidth and you realize that you still matter, the number three really is finding that time to nurture your relationship because the people that we are in relationships with, the men in our lives are so tender and they just want to know that they matter too. A lot of the pushback on like, your hobbies or your career really just comes from their own fear. Like if this other thing matters so much to you, then where do I stand? It comes from a really tender place. And like, or that you're going to outgrow them, right? Like, like you're going to, you're going to, if I don't need you for your income anymore, what do I need you for? So I, I, that's definitely, it's almost like an insecurity maybe of, of our partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think number three is, nurturing your relationship and figuring out what helps your relationship thrive and finding those things. And a lot of times it's not the like stuff that you would read in a marriage book. Like Tom and I, I don't know if you see on my Instagram, I talk about it all the time, but like we live in Las Vegas. We have scorpions, even though we spray pest control once a month, like we still have scorpions. So like probably a couple nights a week after the kids go to bed, we go out with our black light flashlights and we go scorpion hunting together. And it's like, or like if somebody would have told me 12 years ago that you and your husband would have this like bonding hobby of scorpion hunting, I would have like been mortified at how nerdy that sounds. But, like, yeah. but we go scorpion hunting together. We like sing songs in this ridiculous Russian accent. We like pull the cushions off the couch and watch Dateline and like make jokes about murdering spouses. Like we have these like little things together that keep our friendship and the humor alive that like, I'm never going to like write a relationship book about like the secret to happy relationships is scorpion hunting and Russian accents. Like that sounds absurd. Yeah. 
but it's finding those things that add to friendship, companionship, and genuinely liking each other. I tell my couples all the time, it's a whole lot easier to love somebody that you genuinely like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why or who coined it or why it's become a thing, but like this idea that like, I love you, but I don't really like you that much. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's so backwards. Let's focus on what makes me like you. How do I nurture this friendship? So that you're a person that I still want to spend time with. You're a person that I want to share my day with. You're a person that I want to snuggle up with or be intimate with or whatever. Like keep the friendship alive because that's, I mean, we, we were talking about this before. I remember learning in grad school, the number one predictor of marriage satisfaction decreasing is having kids. Uh. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah. That sucks. It 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 makes you not want to have kids. (laughs) Yes, but it shouldn't be like that. And really it's because what happens is when you have kids, it's like, oh, we're not focused on each other so much. We're both focused on the well-being of our kid. But it's like, no, we can be focused just like number one and two that we were talking about. Like you can be completely meeting your children's needs and still nurturing yourself. Right. You can be completely meeting your children's needs and nurturing the relationship. So I guess like my overarching number three takeaway is nurture the friendship with your partner. Well, and I love how at first you said relationship, but then you said friendship. So my husband is an avid golfer. He loves golfing to the point that we moved and out. He, we, his commute was going to go from eight minutes to an hour and a half. So we could live on this golf course. that's like way far away from everywhere. Like he loves golfing. And so I have not, I'm not interested or was not interested. And finally I said, okay, you know, I'm going to go out with you. Like, I'm going to try. I borrowed some of these clubs and I was like, you know what? That was kind of fun. And then I got my own set and now I play all the time. And it's like something we can do together. And my boys, all all of my kids play, actually my one daughter does not like it, but three of my four kids play. So we like go out as a family and it has become this thing where it's like, now in the summer, you know, it's six o'clock, we're done with work. Like, let's go out and do, you know, go to the driving range or whatever. And it, for me, it was like, I stepped into his world and I just happened to, I actually played ice hockey growing up. So I'm like pretty good with a stick. So for, for me, I just, I like loved it. And then golf is kind of addicting. Like once you, you do well, then you're like, I want to do better and figure it out. So I think it's like looking at their hobbies and if you can step into their worlds and then maybe you'll like it, like who knows, but we, we also love Dateline and it's always like, would you ever kill me? Do, like, what do you think you need to do to get to the point where you would like tie my body up and dump it somewhere? So in Dateline, if you don't watch that with your spouse, Dateline is great. I'd recommend that for everybody, but just going back to nurturing the friendship. I mean, if we look at, we've been married 10 years, right? And if we look at We have spent 10 years in the same house together, like renovating houses, having four kids. And we've three of our kids are back to back. So I was pregnant forever. Um, And just the stress that comes with all of that. But if I really look at my husband and he is my best friend at the end of the day, and, but we really, really work on it. And there's so many times that I could have said, you know, if we didn't have kids and we were dating, this relationship would have been over hundred percent. Right. And there's so many times that I've just 
you know, you just kind of say, okay, like, how do we get back? Because you're going to have good times and bad times, but how do you get back to that actual friendship and what can you do? So you see lots of couples and what would you say is scorpion hunting sounds unique, but is there a couple basic things that people do that like people could hear this today and go, I'm going to go home and try that tonight that you'd say would be like a recommendation? I think it's going to be different for every couple, but I would say look for things that make you laugh together whether that's like comedy specials on netflix if it's listening to audiobooks or podcasts not even at the same time but like you know i listen on my drive to work he listens at the gym or whatever like something that just gets conversation flowing and laughter going to movies having jokes i mean there's so many different things but i think laughter is the healing balm of relationships. So that, that would be my takeaway. I love that. And I was just thinking last night, my husband, I'm literally in the bathroom, brushing my teeth from his bedroom. He, our, our bedroom, our bed, like 10 feet away. He texts me a TikTok. It's about some guy pretending he was a dog. And I looked at him like, this is so stupid, but it's even more dumb that you're 10 feet away from me. And you texted that to me, but it made me laugh. And then I was like, okay, let's, you know, have a conversation. Let's be intimate tonight. Like it, it like opens the gate for all the other things that build a relationship. So yeah, I absolutely love that. Okay, Chrissy, there's so much good stuff in here and everybody is going to like, I I have all these notes and like takeaways. So thank you so much for doing this. I have a short, um, like fire round, I guess. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. So the first one is who is your role model? Oh, probably my dad, your dad. Okay. Why? He just, my dad is this like eternal optimist. He's such a hard worker, but he just has such a happy disposition. And I love that about him. I love that. What show are you watching right now? Uh, keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, always, always a classic. Um, what is your best app or like most productive app that you use? Mm, I really am just on Instagram 24 <laughs> seven. I love it. IG. Um, and then what is a, a quote that you live your life by? I like, um, she believed she could. So she did. I love that. Oh, that's another classic. I love that. Awesome. Chrissy. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? Find me on Instagram at the dot peaceful dot sleeper, or my website is the peaceful And you had a code promo, yep. right? Yes. So if you use mom manual 10, you can get 10% off any products on the site. I have my sleep courses. I also have the peaceful mama course. That's where I like condensed all of my most important therapy tidbits. I have an insomnia course, toddler stuff, literally everything. And wait, you have like live Facebook courses too. Is that right? Where people join like a Facebook group? Uh-huh. Yeah. Those. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys have heard today. She's so fun so relatable, has such great information. So definitely give her a follow and thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.